0: Well, the year is, has barely begun, We're, and we've already seen what's what's been the recent pattern of, of flood and disaster. Floodwaters are causing havoc across communities around the country. Record floods, for example, in the Kimberley region of Western Australia, and that's had a tremendous and, and damaging consequence. Major bridges, the trucking route connecting WA and the Northern Territory, that's been disrupted. And some suggest, and there is great truth in this, the floods highlight the vulnerability of Australia's supply chains. And we've seen a lot of that in our recent past. The Russian invasion of Ukraine has highlighted that COVID uh, and, and, and the closures and lockdowns and barriers around this country that that created also highlighted this issue of logistics and supply chain. Not to mention the you know, every year, another round of climate-related disasters. Are our food supply chains becoming more agile as a result? Are we learning the lessons of these disruptions? Dr Elizabeth Jackson is an Associate Professor at the School of Management and Marketing at Curtin University. She is an expert in this field. Elizabeth, Welcome.
1: Thank you very much, Jonathan.
0: We ought to define some terms, I think, before we begin, this notion of of logistics and supply chains. Are these terms interchangeable or are they a bit more specific than that?
1: They're actually quite technical and quite specific. This is a really good way to start off our chat, uh, actually, because logistics is really a subset of supply chain management and supply chains. And logistics is really the, the trucks and sheets part of the overall supply chain. Um, that's, that's describing it in its simplest possible form because it is infinitely more complex than that. But it's, it's really the, um, the, the methods and modes of transport, so road transport, rail transport, maritime transport and air transport. Um, And the associated systems, so the warehousing systems, the distribution systems that go with those modes of transport to get physical goods from one point in the supply chain to another. Supply chain itself is a little bit more complex than that, and supply chain is really about the the business relationships, the negotiations, the procurement practices, the relationships between buyers and sellers um, within within markets that make up supply chains. Um, So, hopefully, that description really separates the two terms that, unfortunately, particularly since covid have really been bandied around society yeah, they um, without in a bit, don't without they? a great deal
0: <laughs> of thought. When it comes to food in Australia, though, how do those networks work? Can you can you paint a generalised picture of mm. how m- food moves around this country?
1: Absolutely. So the first thing to say um, about the concept of food um, is that the, the term food is as much as it's so important to our day to day existence and has been for time immemorial. There are so many different types of what we call food. So you know, as, a, as, as a city dwelling, individual. The last thing I need um, in terms of securing my, my daily requirement of nutrition is a ton of wheat <laughs> yes. or a bale of cotton <laughs> or a bale of wool or indeed a cow. This is the type of food that, that Australia has in absolute abundance. Um, Australia exports about seventy-five percent of its food, so we oh. have more food than we could possibly ever use. And this this bulk food, so you know, many tons of wheat, bales of wool, bales of cotton, um, sides of beef, all these what we term bulk food. It's fairly easy to transport around because it really goes on our um, rail and road networks. And then, of course, it's exported, usually by a ship, by, by maritime transport. But in, in some instances, particularly with fresh meat, um, goes via air transport. Um, so it's these types of um, bulk food that are are really inaccessible to consumers because we, we don't, in, in a household, we don't have any resources or really yeah. much skill to transform a tonne of wheat into what we need at a loaf of bread.
0: Well, I get, though, I mean, yes, there's a clear distinction between the tonne of wheat and, say, a, a punnet of strawberries that I might buy at the supermarket. but wh- yes. What I wonder from that is when we have something like, and let's take the current example, the damage to the Great Northern Highway, as a result of the the Kimberley flooding, which part of that food supply is is more disrupted? Is it that bulk transit of, of, you know, road trains of cattle, for example, or is it the smaller things of, you know, shop-ready foods? Which of those is most interrupted?
1: Yes, and I think this is the essence of where consumers and society in Australia are becoming worried about food security, because it is these internal systems, uh, so these internal transport networks that we really have to do a lot better with, because our food consumption patterns um, as modern consumers are such that... We, we like food on demand. Mm-hmm. And when we like food on demand, that food actually not only comes from the retailer, but before the retailer in the supply chain, it comes through logistics systems. And particularly when our food manufacturing, the pasta we enjoy, the potato chips, when they're centralised in the eastern states, for example, and they need to get to places like Queensland, Tasmania, and the Northern Territory and Western Australia, we become very, compromised and very exposed. So too, at that beginning of the supply chain that, that our road networks are, the, are, are are the veins that hold our body of commerce together in this in this vast country. When we have issues with whether they be natural disasters through flood or fire, um, for example, um or the the sit- the current situation we've got with labor shortages mm. um throughout our supply chains and and in logistics is no no different. Uh, again, we are very, very, very exposed.
0: which is an extraordinary thing that that figure you quoted before that the idea that we export more than seventy percent of the food we produce, so that that in in essence, food security should not be an issue in this country, and yet uh, natural disasters raise that spectre. So there must be great vulnerabilities uh, in, in in those supply chains, and and I wonder from what you say there are there points of great centralization within those chains are there real yes. crisis points that if that is affected it has great uh, spreading consequence
1: yes so and this is this is a really good point um, because what supply chain and logistics theory tells us is to minimize your costs by uh, by having centralized centralized systems so our, our our hubs of food distribution so and when i say food distribution i mean those the types of food that we um you know that on demand food the yep. liter of milk the loaf of bread the bag of chips um these are centralized around the big cities uh you know, and because, and this is where we have been able to enjoy um the very very and probably artificially low prices of food that we have come to enjoy in the last 30 to 40 years. Food is precious and food is expensive but it's these um remarkable miracles of commerce that are supply chains that have that that have exposed consumers to really you know art, like I say artificially low prices. Because we've been able to refine and refine and refine our, our systems so wonderfully that our costs have just lowered and lowered and lowered. Um, like I said, over the last 40, 30 or 40 years. And it is through this idea of centralization. And since we've had the advent of you know, the increase of, of natural disasters and labor availability, we have become exposed. Right, not as good as it sounds. That's what I wonder
0: is whether that centralisation, whether that fine-tuning of those systems in turn makes them more vulnerable to any sort of unexpected variabilities.
1: Absolutely it does. And uh, and not only from what we, that the nation sells or exports, but also what we import as well. You know, we, from, a, from a global scale, consider our over-reliance on China. Mm-hmm. For example, so many parts of our economy, and 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 uh, uh, food is no exception. Um, by any stretch of the imagination, has um, has looked to the powerhouse of China and the low costs of doing business with China, and and this over-reliance on on a, on a system that seems to be cheap and seems to work, um, the, the re- really the wheels have fallen off this argument.
0: It's an important conversation. Uh, thank you for, for sharing those thoughts.
1: Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, of course. It's my favourite topic to speak about. Thank you very much indeed for the opportunity. It's been a great pleasure.
0: Well, we sense your enthusiasm. Thank you. Uh, Dr Elizabeth Jackson, uh, Associate Professor the School of Management and Marketing at Curtin University. And this is Blueprint on ABC RN. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC
1: Listen app.